Hey y'all, welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren, I'm your host, and today we have a great guest, Chef Johnny Stewart of Texas Style Barbecue and Cuisine YouTube channel. I'll be right back with Chef Johnny. Smoking, grilling, getting hot and hotter, sous vide and chilling from fire and water. Welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm your host. And today we got another great guest, Chef Johnny Stewart of Texas Style Barbecue and Cuisine. Johnny's got a YouTube channel and he's also a culinary teacher. He teaches uh, college and high school. So Chef Johnny, introduce yourself. Hey, Darren. Good to have you here. Or good for me to be here with you. Uh, great, great day. Uh, we're excited about getting on here and visiting, talk with you a little bit. But hey, I tell you what, you know, I teach uh, culinary at a high school. Been doing that since my 12th year to teach at the high school. I uh, teach at the college. I think this is the fourth year I've taught at the college. So, hey, I spend most of my time teaching young chefs uh, how to cook, uh, getting some high school kids ready to get into those college classes and doing things like that. So I do that and then I just cook for myself and have a good time. Well, let's talk about where you're from and, and how you got started and all that. So where, where do you currently live and all that? Uh, I live in a small town in South Texas called Lytle. We're south of San Antonio. So actually San Antonio is where I, I teach at the college in, and uh, drive in there. But yeah, uh, hey, South Texas has been my my whole life been down here except for when I was away at college up in central Texas. So I don't, I don't venture out of Texas a whole lot. Uh, but Hey, that's what, that's, that's where I'm from. Uh, teach those been, been, I got a teaching degree in 1980, went to Howard Payne university and I got my teaching certificate then and got out of teaching for a while, but I got back in it a dozen years ago. And, and I'm just, man, I'm just, I'm excited about the job I have. It's, it's a great time. It's wonderful working with kids, even though they can try your patience some. Uh, it, it's, it's great, and it's neat to see them as they start coming around. I'm at a new school this year. So it's uh, these kids aren't used to a professional chef. So it, it took some uh, uh, getting used to for both of us, them and me. So where did you get your uh, professional culinary training? Uh, I went to St. Philip's College here in, in uh, San Antonio. And uh, St. Philip's is a, uh, a part of the Alamo Community Colleges here in San Antonio. And I tell you what, it's an exemplary school with the American Culinary Federation, uh, one of only 25 schools in the world that have the designation of that. So it's a, it's a very good culinary school here in San Antonio, Texas. And when did you graduate from there? Oh, gosh, I turned to look at my diploma about um, 10, 11 years ago, something like that. I went to culinary school later in life. I uh, was cooking and uh, catering and doing things for people. And I'd always go, you know, I'd love to know how to do that right. Because I, I knew the way I did it and the way I've been taught to do it. But I knew there were right and professional ways. And my wife walked in one day and she goes, hey, here's here's your schedule. And I went, what schedule? She goes, I signed you up for classes up at St. Phillips to start taking your cooking classes. So I started going at night and I wound up with a, a teaching certificate and uh, I mean, a, a chef certificate. And then I wound up uh, using that to start teaching because I had a chance to teach a cooking class my son was in here at the high school I'm presently at. 
And uh, I was like, I haven't had this much fun in years. I'm going to go back and I'm going to start teaching school again. So I dropped everything and and uh, went back into education once again, just to have some fun and enjoy uh, the living I was making instead of dreading going to work every day. So when you were cooking before you got your culinary degree, was it just like part-time doing it on the side or doing it for fun? I was doing, yeah, I was doing part-time, both, all, all the above, <laughs> you know, I was cooking for fun. I was cooking on the side. I was doing some part-time, uh, you know, different people I knew I'd go in and cook for them and I'd cater and I would just, uh, you know, uh, at all the high school events, you know, we were cooking for those. We were cooking at church. We were, you know, every time you turned around, we were doing something and cooking somewhere. So. That's kind of what I was doing, and my wife knew that was my passion, was was cooking. And so uh, she said, you know, you've talked about it long enough. Here it is. Get started. So were you cooking mostly barbecue back then, or was it a little bit of everything? Or? Most, mostly barbecue. I think even, even today, mostly I, I do uh, barbecue. And even in, in those days, it was, even though we would cater other things, you know, I catered some spaghetti dinners and and uh, I did some steak dinners and a lot of it had to do with grilling and around that also, though. And I did, you know, some other, you know, some Thanksgiving dinners and, and Christmas dinners I did. So things like that. So I was doing other types of cooking also, but normally it rolled back into the the, the wood and the fire. So one of the things that's on your website and your YouTube channel and all that, it says you're a Texican you you do Texican cooking. So what is Texican? I, I can kind of figure it out from the name, but well, you know, I guess, what? yeah, no, go ahead. Because you're between, I guess, San Antonio and the border. So I guess I, uh, I'm, I'm between them. So yeah, I think it's kind of a, a, a mixture of that love of the grill and the fire and some Mexican cooking. Uh, you know, years ago, people from Texas were called Texicans. That was the term for them. Instead of Texans, they were Texicans. But, um, you know, I do. I, I love cooking Mexican food. I love cooking with uh, the peppers and the chilies and even like the dried peppers and chilies. So I'll take some of that and work it in with my barbecue and see how I can turn it out. Uh, I do one dish that I learned from a, a chef actually down in Mexico City taught me how to make a uh, uh, what they call a chilorio sauce, which is a dried pepper sauce. And in, in Mexico, they boil their pork butts. And then uh, once they get where they're falling apart, they'll use those with the chilorio sauce to season them and make their tacos and things like that. Well, I just took that recipe and put it with pulled pork. It worked perfectly for pulled pork. So now you have the fire, you have the smoke, and you have a depth of flavor that we weren't getting, you know, from the original dish. But kind of put my Texas twist on it by using barbecue in with it. So when you started your culinary training um you know because you said you cook mostly barbecue and and simple stuff like steaks and spaghetti dinners how, how was the uh the difference in what you were doing and, and what you were learning you know that that i i was fortunate to have a wonderful teacher for my first class so you know i walked in and i was 40 something years old oldest oldest one in the i think that there was a lady there the same age i was so there were two of us older in the class that had decided to go back later on and get a and get a degree. And Chef Valdez, he was he was tough, man. But the stuff he was doing wasn't that much different. I mean, 
you know, because you go through your slicing and your dicing and how to boil. So I knew how to boil. I knew how to saute. I didn't know all the words and I didn't know the vernacular uh, of it, you know, but I knew the processes just because mom had taught me and grandma and watching dad, you know, cook on the riverbank. So I knew how to do all those things. But a lot of them, I didn't know what they were called or what they officially were. So part of it was learning those kind of things. Gotcha. How, uh, so how much competition cooking did you do before, after, currently? Do you do much competition barbecue at all? Not much anymore. Uh, I used to competition cook quite a bit. Um, um, you know, uh, Bill over at uh, Chicken Fried Barbecue, he actually came down this summer and him and I did a cook-off together. Of course, he was just getting into it and I don't do it a lot more. So I said, well, hey, come on down. We'll cook one together. And so we went to a nice little cook-off not too far from here from the house, and we went sixth in brisket, fourth in chicken, and first in ribs. So we had a, we had a pretty good day for two guys that had never cooked together before and, uh, you know, to work it out. So I do that, but I have near 100 top 10 finishes in barbecue cook-offs. Um, if I were to count them, I may be up to 100 maybe, but I've got – I know around 90 something top 10 and from grand champion to 10th place at barbecue cookoffs. And that would be, you know, the three main ones we do here in Texas are our brisket, uh, pork ribs, uh, St. Louis cut, and then, uh, you know, half chicken halves. So it'd be in those, but then you add in chef's choice, uh, beans, dessert, and things like that. I've, you know, pulled in some of those came out of those areas. Also the supplementals, that you have at a cook-off. Yeah, that's what I heard too, that the Texas competitions are a little different than the KCBS where their chickens are a half chicken and, and brisket's a big part of it. And they don't do they don't do pulled pork or anything, right? They just no, do ribs? Uh, sometimes we'll have a pork as an ad- additional cook. So, you know, you have that extra cook. So it, go, it falls in with, the, with a lot of times those are, um, they're, they still place them, but they, they don't count towards your your grand champion or anything. They're just additional cooks that are on there. Kind of a jackpot. Right. Kind of they'll have jackpot beans, jackpot dessert. So uh, I've done quite well in, in desserts, and I've won beans. I've won in uh, Chef's Choice. So uh, I've got some some victories in, in a lot of those areas. Also bread, you know, Dutch oven bread. I've, I've won some in that. Awesome. So when you got back into teaching or where you started looking at going back into teaching, you were you teach you weren't teaching culinary before when you were teaching, right? No, biology and PE. I was I was a coach when I was originally teaching. So I was so when I, you, go ahead. When when you decided to get back into it, you decided you wanted to teach the culinary arts, huh? Oh yes. I just and, and that's what, what pulled me back in. Um I had I had uh, started going back to school at nights and I wound up with my chef certificate and uh, my son was uh, taking a cooking class here at the high school and, and he wasn't in here like the first week or so. So what happened was, was they, uh, uh, when he came in, all the kids were like, Hey, John, get in our group, get in our group. And the teacher was like, well, why do y'all want John in your group? They go, his dad's a chef, man. John knows how to cook. And so when she heard I was a chef, she invited me up here. She was a homemaking teacher trying to do some culinary type classes. And so she asked me to come up and teach some knife skills. So I came up one day and I cut up everything you could cut up in an hour. 
you know, show the kids how to make some uh, strawberry roses and fan some strawberries and diced onions and diced peppers and did all that. And I just had a wonderful time. And then the next time I came back, I showed them how to process a chicken. And uh, we cooked some chicken some different ways uh, that I showed them. And when I left that day, I told my wife, I said, call TEA, that's the Texas Education. Uh, and they said, and I said, see what I have to do to teach culinary. I said, I have not had this much fun in years. I says, I'm going back and I'm teaching and I'm going to teach culinary. I said, this, it's just the best days I've had. And so anyways, she, uh, she kind of checked into it and, and rest is history. <laughs> well, I can, I can understand that. Cause I know when I was in high school, you know, anything to do with food was, was great. And I, I didn't want to sit in a math class or geography or anything like that. So, oh. I mean, if it was about cooking and eating, I was all about it. So I can understand where the kids are a lot more excited about it, which makes you want to teach it more. Oh, you know? yeah. Anytime you're teaching an elective, it's a lot better than, you know, the days I was teaching biology, you know, those kids didn't want to be in biology or anatomy, physiology class. They wanted to be doing other things. So, um, you know, and, and overall, I get, a, I get a pretty good group of kids. I only teach juniors and seniors, so they're a little bit older, and they want to be there. And if they don't want to be there, they, they don't make it very long. Usually, they, they'll get on out because they, they realize that this is not just a blow-off class. You know, it's not going to be one they're going to just go and hang out in and have a good time, but they're going to they're gonna have to learn a lot of stuff and do things. And, and these kids here in Lytle, that was part of the first uh, of me getting used to them and them getting used to me was the fact of, wow, this guy is, he's taking this stuff serious because they had never had a chef here before. They had just had some, some uh, people, some, some people with some cooking background, you know, like a homemaking teacher or something, but they didn't know the professional, um, the professional kitchen. So those kids were the second year kids were kind of in, in shock when I got here of all the rules I was laying down and things we were going to do. And, but now it, it's working out great and they're having fun. And I, and I think they're going to enjoy the year a lot. So you teach them basic culinary skills. You don't, it's not just barbecue and all that. It's, it's, you know, how to cut, how to, uh, you know, do your maison place and set up your, your workstations and yes, all that. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. All the above. They'll do that. Um, these kids, like my second year kids really will do a lot of first year stuff this year. Um, just because of getting caught up and the lady that taught them, she's still here. She's a real nice lady. And what she's doing is, is she's teaching a hospitality and tourism class and she's doing an intro class in the, my classes. And, uh, so she's a real nice, she's real helpful. But uh, there's things that they're going to learn, you know, that she didn't know and weren't able to. So we'll do some uh, cake decorating, which they didn't get to do last year. We'll do uh, a charcuterie. They're going to make sausage. I love making sausage. So the kids are going to get to make a lot of uh, different sausages this year. Uh, I'm getting in a proofer and stuff so they can do yeast breads. They've only done quick breads. So there's a lot they're going to get to do, but they'll they'll get to know how to, you know, how to saute, how to sear. They're going to learn how to pan fry, uh, all those type of things they're going to learn how to do. So when they walk out of here, you know, they can they can uh, go get them a line, as, you know, a job maybe as a line cook. Or really what I'd like to see them do is go on to St. Phillips or to the Culinary Institute of America here in San Antonio. Or we also have the Art Institute. So we have three culinary schools here in San Antonio now that they can 
they can go. Or I've had some go to, I've had kids graduate from uh, Port on Blue, and I've had kids graduate from uh, Escoffier. So I've had kids go a lot of other places besides just here. So do you teach them anything about sous vide at all? You know, sous vide was something at the school I was at, we were fixing to start doing. And uh, we had, I had tried to get some sous vide equipment in on the, uh, on the budget, but uh, I end up leaving there. So that's going to be for the next shift, you know, to finish up on. Uh, here in Lytle, I think we probably can, because, you know, sous vide sh- machines are getting so cheap now. Um, well, you could probably hook, I could probably hook you up with uh, Inkbird and they might be able to donate some to well, you. There, there you go. Or something. That'd be wonderful. Um, yeah. And I was even thinking about that because what I did was, is they don't have a lot of the, you know, the grinders and stuff that I have there or everything. So I actually reached out to um, Weston Company and they sent me a one horsepower, one of their kind of their household grinders, their number 12 grinder and a, and a seven pound stuffer. For to use on my YouTube channel and teach the kids with. So uh, I know there's companies out there that are willing to do it. So yeah, that's that's that'd be a great step because sous vide is people that have never sous vide don't understand how good a steak is that was sous vide. Well, and I was I just you know had a couple other podcasts I did this week because I've been jamming them in because I'm going on vacation at the end of the month but I just had a you know conversation with a couple of people you know it's it's sous vide is always you know people the first thing that comes to their mind is it cooks a good steak or chicken breast but it does a lot more once you start exploring more of what it can do um, you can use it for a lot more it's it's a lot more than just a Instapot or a you know George Foreman grill it does a lot. Um, low and slow cooking is um, you do some stuff that you couldn't do any other way. So. Well, I tell you what, and I, one thing I, great in sous vide is vegetables, but because the cool thing this I don't know if you think this is, but when you cook vegetables in there, so you can put your vegetables in the bag, get your seasonings in with them, you know maybe a little bit of butter or whatever you're going to put in there, seal them off, and when those come out. The colors are so vivid. You don't you don't have that dulling of the colors like you do when you drop them and cook them in, in the water, and and that cooks out. They just come out bright and fresh and flavorful. And yeah, they're I love them coming out of sous vide. Well, there's two reasons for that. You're not soaking them in the water. Plus, you're cooking them to an exact temperature. So it's you're not it's not overcooking. It's not undercooking. You're cooking it to an exact perfect temperature and that's one of the things that it does and where you can make you know, a chuck roast or something like that medium rare and super tender because it cooks it to a certain temperature it keeps it there and then the longer you keep it there the more tender it becomes so it does a lot more than people uh you know give it credit for but um i i think it's something that Anybody taking any kind of culinary classes today really needs to delve into it a little bit deeper than just looking at to keep it uh, to keep things warm or to cook a steak. And, you know, it's amazing how long it, it took it to get to the United States. I uh, I have a chef friend that uh, he's on was on my advisory committee uh, for the school, and you know he was he saw sous vide in Europe years and years ago before it ever got here. And he was like, "Man, when are we gonna, when are we gonna start being able to do this over here?" But it, you know, it was wonderful for him. In the uh, he was the head chef at the San Antonio Country Club 
which is a very, very upscale country club in San Antonio. I mean, it has like a 10-year waiting list to get into. And so uh, he used it extensively there at the country club, and it was wonderful what he was doing with it. But he, he had to wait for him to make it to America after he had seen him. I think he was in Switzerland is where he's telling me he first saw him at. Yeah, they started in France, and, and you know, it started, they were using lab equipment, you know, equipment that was designed for laboratories to keep water at a certain temperature. And so they were expensive. You know, they, uh, the companies that first started making them, they were strictly for commercial use and they were expensive. So with, with the last few years with them getting a lot more, you know, uh, cheaper where people can afford them for home use, it, uh, you know, it's going to keep growing. I think it's not a fad. It's not something like an Instapot, you know, where, it you know it only does a certain amount of things. I mean, it could do a lot more. And once people figure it out, I think it's going to grow. Oh, so, without without a doubt, and more and but, more people are finding out about of it and and getting hold of them. Uh, they just it's yeah it's it's just it's it's growing and it's going to keep growing. I I think it's definitely and in the professional kitchen, all all the kids going to the professional kitchen need to have some experience with it. So you teach college classes too. Now are those similar to the to what you teach in high school or is it totally different no no it, it really is and of course what i do is is i uh, i teach the the basic food prep at the college so that's the first cooking class that these kids will take when they when they get to college so a lot of what i'm teaching there is what i'm teaching here at the high school also and in fact i've had uh numerous of my students one young lady this semester i had her last year at the other high school and I have her this year as a freshman in college. So I've had a chance to teach my kids in both areas, the high school and the college, but very similar, basic food prep. They're going to do knife skills, food safety. You know, they're going to, they're going to fry, they're going to poach, they're going to grill. Uh, they're going to, um, they make, uh, muffins. They do quick breads. They do do some different yeast breads. And then we do some desserts. We kind of finish out our, one of our last lessons is banana fosters. So those are a great dish, and we teach them how to flambe. So the the college gets a little bit more than the high school kids, but but they're all very much the same on on what the kids are learning. Now, is the are the college uh, courses geared towards them getting a culinary degree, or is no, it no, just no? It, it's a it's a culinary school. The uh, at the uh, St. Philip's College, it's like I said, it's American Culinary Federation um, school, and so it, it's endorsed by them. And uh, they have their exemplary status, which there's few schools that, that have that status in the world. I mean, a couple of dozen of them. And so they, I teach at the one I went to. And uh, they're actually in the process now of building a brand new hospitality building. Uh, I went to the topping out party the other day and we got to autograph uh, the last beam they were setting in place. Uh, so I autographed it. They set that beam in place while we were there for the ceremony. and. Um, and that's going to be a three-story building with a dining room looking down towards San Antonio. And anybody that's been here, uh, you'll be looking kind of back toward the Alamo Dome and uh, Hemisphere Tower and all of that downtown from the dining room on the third story of the new hospitality building. It's going to be fantastic what they have there. On top of all that and all the teaching and stuff and, and that you do, um, you also have a barbecue stand, like I guess at your house, that you sell barbecue on the weekends? We sell barbecue on the weekends. Uh, my wife and my son and I uh, are doing that. So he, he's, he takes a lot of the pressure off of me though on that. 
he does the night cooking. And so John preps all of my briskets. He'll prep all of my pork butts and get those on and cooking. And then he then he gets all my ribs ready. So he he's watching the fire most of the night. He'll go to bed around three o'clock in the morning. I have pit maker barbecue vaults. And so they are they're run very well. They hold their temperature really good. And I have uh, barbecue gurus to hook up to them also just for added security. So about three, he'll go to bed and I'll get up and around six, 6.30, I have the ribs on, uh, start getting my chickens ready to go. Uh, you know, beans go on at eight, chickens go on at nine, sausage goes on at 10. So we kind of have a, a rhythm to go and my wife helps with the side dishes. She'll do the rice and beans. We do a chipotle mac and cheese. Of course, you know, coleslaw and potato salad. You gotta have that with, with barbecue. And so we have a uh, kind of a routine that goes down. So his nights are Friday night and Saturday night. And then um, he'll get up about nine or 10 and start helping us get ready to pull the trailer out of the yard and head down to where we park in the little town we live in here. And we sell till we run out about 3.30, three o'clock. Usually we're, we're sold out, come back home and get ready for the next day. So we're, we're seven days a week. Wow. So do you, so do you, do you sell out every day or? Um, not, not every day, but we, you know, after a while, you kind of get a good idea of what you're selling, you know, and so you have an idea. And so you always try to plan that. And there's some days, you know, you, you sell out two hours too early and there's some days that you can't give it away. So you have that, but most days we, we get rid of most of our barbecue. If we don't get rid of like our briskets and our pork butts, um, what we'll do is, is I'll vacuum seal those and uh, bring them out the next week and that's my chopped beef or that's a, a chopped pork sandwich or pork tacos or something like that or we'll use it for our chopped stuff and then the fresh will be all of our sliced our sliced meats for the next weekend now do you do you sell you know plates of barbecue do you just sell like whole you know like by the pound or both or and the, yeah both however you want it we, we sell sandwiches of course tacos down here we do a lot of tacos but sandwiches tacos plates by the pound and um that's kind of however you want to pick it up. That's how we'll sell it to you. So do you have a commercial kitchen that you work out of or is it? Um, my my a... trailer is called, is considered a kitchen on wheels. So um, in the, in the Texas and the food laws and everything, you have food trucks, which have to have a commissary to cook their stuff in, to put it on and keep warm. And then you have kitchen on wheels. So I have refrigeration and I have cooking abilities on the trailer. I, my trailer is 26 feet long. So I have a 16 foot kitchen. I got a six burner stove with a, uh, a full commercial oven in it. I have a seven foot uh, a hood in there. And uh, of course on the back end on my trailer, uh, I have two uh, pit maker barbecue vaults on it. So we have everything to cook all of our food and keep everything cold there on the trailer. So I don't have to have a commissary because I'm a trailer on a, a kitchen on wheels. Well, I'm sure that's nice too. When you want to go do a competition. <laughs> oh yeah. I've taken it to some competitions and i tell you what it works great is like if we're catering, because then I don't have to haul everything there. You know, uh, I've got a little trailer, a 10 foot cargo trailer. I'll put stuff in. And, uh, but if we if it's a place where we can pull the trailer, we'll pull the trailer down there and park it. And then we have that to work out of. And so that is fantastic for our caterings and things like that is to have that full kitchen out there. And, you know, if we have to make some tea, we can make tea while we're there. We can get there a little bit early and finish, finish up stuff. I mean, I've driven down the roads with those 
those pit makers, you know, with loaded down with chicken. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to break here for a little bit. Take an ad, take an ad break. Uh, Inkbird's our sponsor, and I'm going to let them run an ad. So, I'll be right back with Chef Johnny Stewart from Texas Style Barbecue and Cuisine. Hey guys, I just want to take a minute to mention Inkbird Barbecue Products. They're the sponsor of our podcast today, and they have their Bluetooth 4 Probe Digital Barbecue Thermometer, the IBT4XS, is on sale on Amazon right now for 20% off. Gets it to $44. It has a 500-foot range with Bluetooth. It works with your iPhone, Android device. You can monitor your pit temperature, plus up to three different foods. Works great. Lots of options. Check it out on Amazon in the description below. I've got a link to it. Check out Inkbird. They have other products out there as well. Thanks for Inkbird for sponsoring the podcast. And now back to our show. All right, we're back with Chef Johnny Stewart of Texas Style Barbecue and Cuisine. Let's start talking about your YouTube channel because uh, I know that's where I, I found you is um, YouTube and we're both part of uh, some of the uh, you know YouTube groups on Facebook and and we've been on the uh, uh, C, cooking with CJ's uh, you know show where, where all the you, you, the hot hot seat where everybody gets together all the YouTube cook guys. So when did you get started? doing the YouTube um, channel. I'm about four and a half years in right now. Um, and what, the way it was, was actually my students. Uh, I actually had a group of boys. I really, I really love, and I still see some of them today. They'll come and see me, you know, four and a half years ago, but I had them in class. And when they would finish um, their assignment or what I'd given them, they'd always want to watch YouTube. So we would bring up YouTube videos and they're like, Hey chef, you're better than that guy. Or, Hey chef, you can do that better than them. And so they were like, you need to start a channel. You need, you need to put your recipes on the channel. And then, and so I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that. So they got me to doing it. And really, when I first started, if you go back and look at my early videos, they're pretty terrible. They're, they're you know, just as far as the editing and the lighting and the sound, which I guess a lot of people's are, you know, that does it first. But I was pretty much just putting out recipes. I was just like, hey, I'm going to show people how to do stuff. It's about my recipes. And then a couple of years into it, um, had a, a, you know, a big channel approach me and they told me, hey, you need to take this thing serious. They said, you really have a good channel. You're growing pretty good. But if you would take it seriously, you could have a real good channel. And I was like, oh, no, I'll never have a big channel. And they're like, no, no, you know your stuff. You're good in front of the camera and you need to you need to buckle down and do things right. So. With their advice, I finally started taking it serious about two years ago, and yeah, we've had some great growth since then. I'm a little over twenty eight thousand subscribers right now, and so it's it's doing pretty well. And we're just trying to keep it keep it growing and keep it going. But I can thank my students for getting me into this mess. Yeah, I think I've talked to several people that have their own uh, YouTube channels, including Malcolm Reed and. And, you know, he, he looks at his older videos and, and he said he doesn't want to look at them. And even, even Troy Smith from T Roy cooks is, uh, you know, the same way. So, I mean, a lot of them, they didn't start their YouTube channel to be famous or anything. It was like just to document what they were doing or with Troy, it was to teach his son how to cook. And when, even with Malcolm, it was just, you know, doing it to you know document 
some of the stuff that he was doing in competitions, his wife would just kind of follow him around with a camera, you know, and then he just started posting them up on YouTube. So, but now, you know, after so many years and even with me, I look at my older videos and just cringe, but you know, once you start doing it, you get a little bit better, you know, as time goes on, you, you start hitting, hitting your, uh, you know, stride and you kind of figure everything out. You teach yourself how to edit better and, you know, you teach yourself how to make better videos and, and do a weather. And, and if it's not good, you don't post it. Yeah. I, I, don't you know. might, I, I mean, now <laughs> if I look at something now, sometimes I'll put, no, I can't put that up where before I would just put it up. Yeah. And and now I'll look, I go, no, I need to redo yeah. that. That doesn't look good. Yeah. You definitely, you know, learn how to edit a lot better. Cause you know, especially when you go back and look at some of the stuff you did before you go, Oh, I better. <laughs> so, uh, so what's your inspiration for what you do on YouTube? Do you just kind of do what you do normally with like teaching and all that? Or where do you get your inspiration for your A videos? lot of that is. And, and my son kind of got on me the other day. He's like, dad, you need to pick it up. You haven't, you haven't, uh, you know, done this or that the other day. And man, I told him, I said, man, I'm just, I'm trying to think of what to cook. I mean, you think I've got, you know, 300 and something videos out there. And I've, uh, you know, a lot of those, most of those, you know, are cooking. Some of them are some, are some question and answer stuff. I do live, but the majority of them are recipes. And, uh, you know, and so I'm going, yeah, I've got to get some inspiration here to keep going. But I do have some some dishes coming up that we're, we're planning on doing. I've been on this diet for about a month. So it, it are, I guess it'll be six weeks tomorrow. So that limits some of the stuff I can do because, you know, pasta's out, breads are out, uh, everything like that. So, um, you know, I've been doing some recipes that fit into the, uh, uh, Roger Raglan diet and the neat thing is though is is he'll post up my videos on his uh, forums he has he has his, some videos up and he posts my videos up for other people on the diet that they can see what I'm doing so he's got some of those on there so I've been doing some diet videos but most of the diet stuff I've done lately um, will would work for anything like I did this morning came out uh, you know a bacon wrapped uh, deer loin uh, so that's for anybody fixed to be deer season again, you know, so all those will be applicable for that uh, as people start hunting and getting, you know, more wild game in. I did uh, tacos last week, and instead of using tortillas, I used a uh, a thin sliced jicama and used jicama for the tortilla. And so, you know, I'm doing some things like that that somebody could use the tortilla if they wanted to, but they still have that and. I'm just trying to stick to this diet till about Christmas time and New Year's. I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate for for the the new wardrobe I get at Christmas. I like some of the videos you do. You had some of your students involved. So how often do you try to get them involved in some of your videos? We're gonna we're gonna try to do some more. The uh, before I was getting paid, you know, it was up there. Now you go, oh, that's a minor. You have a minor on your your video, you know, so you got to be careful with that and all the labor laws and, and everything like that, where before we just filmed them and stuck them up there and the kids wanted to do it because the kids like, Hey, I want to be on a cooking video. So they wanted to be. So as long as every time when every school I've ever been to, they, you know, you have a social media signature that the parents have to do. Yes. My kids can be included on social media or no, they cannot. And so if all the kids were approved to be, uh, put on video and out in, in to the public, and of course they're they're most of those on there you see are seniors, so a lot of them were eighteen anyways at that time. They're all older than that now, 
but they wanted to. And they were like, hey, I want to be on there. My parents say it's okay. You know, the, everything's turned in for us to do this. So, hey, let us be on your video. So I had a lot like that, and I enjoyed that a lot. And with these kids here, I'm assuming uh, we'll probably do some here also. And we're even looking at maybe starting a YouTube channel for the school so that we can um, have the kids on there posting up things that they're doing um, and, and, and have that channel for them going, working in, in uh, with our, our uh, professional photography class. So I'll be working with the teacher that does that and let his kids and my kids work together to get some videos of their own on their own channel. But I, I think you'll see some more of my students uh, on my channel. And I've had some of my college kids, I don't know if you've seen those, but I get interns from the college. And so if I get an intern, I tell them, hey, look, I want you to do a video as part of your grade. Um, and so they come out and they, they come up with a recipe. So I've got about four of them on there now of my interns that have done recipes and got on the videos with me. And those are my college kids. So that's a lot of fun with them too. Yeah. Sounds like it. That's a good, uh, good, uh, experience for them as well. So, so let's talk about different styles and types of barbecue. So you being in Texas, I assume that you're pretty much Texas barbecue, you know, brisket, you know, beef ribs, salt, pepper, you know, not much. Else. Well, you know what, Darren, I think it's a misconception is, is salt and pepper. Um, salt and pepper is a central Texas thing, but that's kind of the area of Texas that's got the recognition now because of, you know, Aaron Franklin and, and some of those right in that, that are very much salt and pepper people. Um, if you get outside of that area, man, there's so many different seasonings and herbs and, and things that people are doing that aren't salt and pepper. Uh, you, know, you go down South, you're going to get, you know, some, some chili powder and stuff in it and some cumin and. You head out West Texas, some of the same, but you know, get over in the Piney Woods and you're going to start seeing more pork and, and, and items like that. But uh, that, that salt and pepper is really that for around Austin. That's, that's the area you see that in. Austin, Lockhart, Luling, uh, kind of through there. But um, the, uh, there's so much, like I said, there's so much more in other areas. And the other thing is, is beef ribs. If you see a rib in Texas, I'm going to tell you right now, 95% of the time, it's going to be a pork rib. Yeah, a lot of people don't believe that. But, uh, yeah, uh, pork ribs are the king in Texas. Uh, you know, uh, not as much baby backs as, as the spare ribs. But you're going to see spare ribs. If you see pork ribs on a menu, it is normally uh, a weekend item. Like, hey, we, we got pork ribs on Saturday and Sunday, or we got pork ribs just on Sunday where people know when to come to get them. Like on my trailer, it's it's spare ribs. I do what's called a Kansas City cut, so it's a little bigger than a St. Louis. But uh, I, I do that, and uh, and I only cook beef ribs by uh, order. So if somebody wants beef ribs, they buy the rack, and I tell them, hey, here's the rack, here's what's going to cost you, because too many times I get stuck with them or I wind up having to eat the big beef ribs. So ribs in texas are definitely a pork rib yeah i know i know even aaron franklin only does uh does them on saturdays so right right absolutely right and, and so a lot of people think it's just now when you're talking about the big meats brisket is the king and definitely uh you know not as much pork growing up we ate a lot of pork but part of that reason was was and i'm talking about barbecue pork 
is because of the wild hogs in Texas. We have such an overrunning of, of just, and not the old Russian boars, which we still have some of those. I know over in the South, probably over there in Florida where you're at, those Russian boars are still running around. But the feral hogs that had just got out and went wild were rampant already, you know, back in the 70s. And so if we were going to have a wedding, you know, the dads would say, hey, y'all guys go out and shoot us some pigs. And we'd go out and shoot a bunch of pigs. And that's what we barbecued for weddings and everything like that. But we didn't really cook them to pulled pork. We would cook them more of where you could still slice them. So we instead of pulling them at, you know, at 2, 205, you know, we we're pulling them at that 185, 190, where you could still slice them up or at least kind of chunk them up to put them in plates for everybody. But we, we did a whole bunch of pork, but it was mainly wild pork that we did. So do you cook any other kind of styles of uh, barbecue, like, you know, mustard sauces and, you know, dry rubs? Do you, do you experiment with that kind of stuff? Or I, do you I have really certain... do. Yeah, yeah, I do, Darren. I, I enjoy that. Uh, my wife's family's from Tennessee. So every time we go to Tennessee, we, you know, I try to get every type of barbecue we can have there. We went a couple of years ago with her parents to a family reunion. And in 10 days, I had barbecue 11 times over there. So, you know, I wanted to find out what it was like and what was there. And uh, we had a chance to go over to Virginia a few years ago. So I tried, um, you know, one place I enjoyed over there uh, in Maryland was um, the pork barrel right out, right out of D.C. And, uh, man, that was, that was some good. And they had some Texas-style stuff there. But we had, you know, ribs and barbecue over there. So I like to experiment and see what's there. I think my roots always bring me back to Texas style. I like uh, not an abundance of mesquite, but I do like some mesquite smoke in mine. I cook with about, when I'm on my stick burners, uh, I'm going to cook 60, 40, maybe 70, 30 uh, oak to mesquite. Because oak's going to give me that wonderful cold bed that you want. And it's going to have a nice, a nice flavored smoke. But that mesquite coming in the back end is going to give you everyone here in Texas that likes mesquite that little bit but if you're not careful with mesquite it'll get bitter on you but uh everybody likes that flavor that's always been my uh experience with mesquite it gets really bitter and kind of a oily aftertaste if it uh, you know I, when i first started cooking barbecue i had a mistake of using a whole bag of mesquite uh, trying to uh do a pork butt one time and it uh, was the worst tasting pork i ever had because it was really bitter and oily and I, I swore i would never use mesquite again but it's good when you you know i i use it for you know steaks and stuff like that if you need a you know a strong smoke for something that you're only have a short period of time i mean it's always good but uh it's not good for you know low well, i have slow a cousin that, that he is a, a straight mesquite cooker and i know other guys that are and if you get a good dried mesquite, you know, don't, don't get anything that's green, but get the good dried stuff and work on your, you're going to work harder because you don't get the coals. It burns hotter and you're not going to get the coal bed that oak gives you. But, you know, my cousin turns out some great, great briskets uh, cooking straight mesquite. But it's not one that, I mean, I think you got to know what you're doing and how to use it to get it out like you like it. But like, like you said, you know, it can definitely overpower something and all of a sudden you're going, oh my gosh, what have I done here? You know, but yeah, it's something you got to know how to use. They can get away from you. That's for sure. So what's in your future, Johnny, are you going to continue uh, teaching and uh, 
just cooking barbecue we're gonna, on the weekends? We're gonna, I told we we were talking to my son the other day, my wife and I. I mean, I'm I'm not a spring chicken anymore. So uh, we told him we're probably going to do the stand probably about another year, uh, maybe maybe through next summer. We may stop before the summer's over and just totally give it to him. And uh, he'll be he'll be out of college and, and you know, his college is going to be wound up. So uh, he has the choice of and, and I've kind of told him he might want to do, um, you know, like a, a carnivals or festivals, you know, where he's working one weekend a month instead of every weekend a month. But he's making as much money in that weekend as he would have if he worked every weekend. Uh, so I've talked to him about doing that. Um, if he wants to keep it going, we'll help him however we can. But we're going to kind of back out and start spending, you know, not working every weekend and then taking a little more vacations in the summer. But um, I told him if he doesn't want to do that, then uh, we'd sell the the trailer in the pit and uh, him and I will split the profits and I will take half of it and he'll take half. And what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to, um, buy me another cargo trailer and start uh, using it for, for cook-offs and I'll start cooking off again. That sounds good. Have you ever thought of doing like the state cook-offs? Yeah, I really have. I've got a friend that lives in uh, Heiko, Texas, where they've, they've been on TV and stuff. They have the, they've been doing it for so long. The official state championship uh, ribeye cook-off has been there for years and years and him and his wife have tried to get us up there many times, but it's never worked in my schedule. So I would love to go up there to Heiko and, and cook in that, in that cook-off with them and do some of these cook-offs for steaks. Because one, you don't have the expense and you don't have the, not always over. You can show up in the morning and cook it and go home that night. You know, it's not like the, the big long cooks that you have yes. in the, in the uh, barbecue in. I was talking to Malcolm Reed about that and he loves the steak cook-offs because like you said, uh, it's not just the, the expense. It's, it's, he said, it's more like what the competition cooks used to be. You know, it's a little bit more laid back. You know, they, you don't have to worry about three or four or five different things you're trying to cook. You know, it's one thing and you know, it's provided for you. And then uh, you know, it's simple and you know, then you're just, you know, just talking with other people the whole time. And then you're, you're turn around and go home. You're not uh, staying there. You're not staying there for, you know, three days. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. You know, so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, advantages, I think, to going to those steak cook-offs and I would like to start doing some, but I'll, uh, I'll if, if just depend on what he does, we're going to, we're going to start doing some more cook-offs, uh, doing some traveling. Uh, I still, some still some places I want to, I want to see in this beautiful country that we have here um, that I just, I just got to get to and, and, and lay my eyes on. So I want to do some of that. And, um, and I want to do some cooking off. Um, if the YouTube keeps growing the way it does, I want to build a, a YouTube kitchen there at the house, kind of out by my outdoor kitchen. So I would love to, to build me about a, maybe a 20 by 30 building with a, with a nice covered porch on one end in the front. And where I can kind of, if I want to cook outside, I can walk out of it, go to my outdoor kitchen, uh, have the pits there, or, uh, you know, set up a, a kitchen in there where I can do some inside cooking also. And uh, I used to film some in the house. I don't do it much anymore, but have a have a nice room out there where the lights are there, the cameras are there, everything's ready to go. And I don't have to, 
you know, drag cameras in and out and do all that kind of stuff, but have a, um, a nice kitchen right there by my outdoor kitchen where I can go to either one and it's, it's always there. And if, you know, you, hey, you're doing something for somebody, you still have that and you can use it as a commercial kitchen also. So it'd work nice that way for some cake because I'm sure I'm not going to totally retire. I'm sure the catering is still going to be around whatever I do. And if John stays in it, you know, he still has that kitchen he could use also. Well, that sounds great. Well, I think that wraps us up, Johnny. I want to thank you for being on and uh, maybe, you know, sometime down the road, we'll have you on again. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, being on the podcast. Thanks for all your uh, contributions to the YouTube community as well. And really appreciate you being on. Oh, it's definitely my pleasure. I was excited when you called me. I'm glad we were finally able to get our schedules together where we could sit down and visit a little bit. And, and the same with you, you know, your, your sous vide cooking is tremendous. I, lo- I love seeing sous vide and you do a great job at that. So I commend you on that and keep doing that, that uh, wonderful job you're doing in, in that part of the, of the cooking business. Well, I appreciate you being on and everybody that's listening, make sure you uh, check out Chef Johnny Stewart of Texas Style Barbecue and Cuisine on YouTube, on Facebook. And do you have a website too, or is it just... Uh... Um, my website is TexasStyleBarbecueAndCuisine.com. Well, there you go. Well, thanks again, Chef Johnny. And thanks everybody for joining me on the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I want to thank Chef Johnny Stewart from Texas Style Barbecue and Cuisine. Make sure you check out his YouTube channel, Facebook page, and website. I'll link to them in the description below. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you follow us on our YouTube channel, Fire and Water Cooking Channel. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And I will talk to you again on the next Fire and Water Cooking Podcast.